Welcome to The Dreaming. I'm Joe Fulgham. I'm Sasha Smolders. This is The Sandman, Issue 22, Season of Mists, Chapter 1. Starting off, as we do, with the cover. In which the Lord of Dreams makes preparations to visit the realm's infernal. Farewells are said, a toast is drunk, and in hell, the adversary makes certain preparations of his own. On the cover here we have, along with some text, this is a picture of Nada. Okay. The note that I have from the Dust Covers book about the Sandman covers on this is Neil saying, I don't know why Nada is on the cover, perhaps because she wasn't inside. But she's actually inside. Yeah, she's one one panel. One panel. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's all she's got. Uh, and I think that's what this is. This cover is saying, even though she's only represented inside that one panel, and that's what we've got on the cover is this one panel, is her trapped in this rectangle. Yes, a rectangle is a terrible place to be. The text on the cover, I asked my friend Lars to take a look at it, mm-hmm. and it's German, which is okay. why I asked Lars. <laughs> and it's from a text called Thurdank, or Theurdank, T-H-E-U-E-R-D-A-N-K. Mm-hmm. That is a poetic work composed by the Holy Roman Emperor Maximilian I, who lived from 1486 to 1519. Uh, he wrote it in German, and it tells the fictionalized and romanticized story of his journey to Mary, Mary of Burgundy, in 1477. He went to Mary, Mary. This poem was published along with 118 woodcuts mm-hmm. uh, designed by some artists uh, that were influential at the time. And it used a newly designed typeface, which I think is the typeface that's being used on this cover. Mm. Seems to be from from what looking around that I've, I've found. So uh, I think another maybe font joke. Okay. That, that I think Dave McKean is... Because remember, we had the time before he was, it had some German, and all it was really doing was talking about the typeface that was being used yeah. to write the German, which I think as a designer is just kind of putting a little in, like he just wanted some German text. And so the the text is a joke about the font. That's my theory. Or maybe as a designer, he happened to have books around his house about German fonts. Yeah. And like, that's just what he had on hand is yeah. that... This is like oh, yeah. his example. But he, he actually has pages from the book, yeah? Yeah. Let's head on to the inside. We didn't talk about this last issue. Season of Mists comes from the John Keats poem To Autumn, hmm. which starts off, Season of mists and mellow fruitfulness, close bosom friend of the maturing sun, conspiring with him how to load and bless with fruit the vines that round the thatch eaves run. Huh. Once upon a time, there was a place that wasn't a place. It had many names, Avernus, Gehenna, Tartarus, Hades, Abaddon, Sheol. It was an inferno of pain and flame and ice where every nightmare had come true long since. We'll call it hell. So we've got a list of names of hell here. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have access to Wikipedia and the Sandman annotations. So here we go. Ooh, 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 before you Mm. start, I recognize one of them because of Xena. Warrior princess. Okay. Good. Tartarus. Good. So I just want you to know that. Avernus was an ancient name for a volcanic crater near Cuma, Italy, and it was believed to be the entrance to the underworld. Portrayed as such in the Aeneid of Virgil, the name comes from the Greek word aornos, meaning without birds, mm. because according to tradition, all birds flying over the lake were destined to fall dead. 
<laughs> this was likely due to the toxic fumes that mouths of the crater gave off into the atmosphere. Uh, in mm. later times, the word simply became an alternate title for the underworld. Okay. But it actually was this volcanic crater that, you know, birds would fly by and die because of the fumes coming out of. So like, oh, that must be the entrance to hell. So there was this one super treacherous, gnarly metal place. And everyone was like, that's totally the entrance to hell. And then mm -hmm. inevitably the name of that place just became a slang for hell. Yep. Yeah. Language yep. is cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Gehenna is from the Hebrew Gehinon, and it's a small valley in Jerusalem and the Jewish and Christian analog of hell. So mm. it's just another, it's a, a Hebrew word uh, for a small valley, but also like Avernus, probably for the same reason, maybe the valley was super hot or something, I don't know, but that's okay. it's hell. Tartarus in ancient Greek mythology is the deep abyss that is used as a dungeon of torment and suffering for the wicked and as a prison for the titans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's as far below Hades as the earth is below the heavens. Tartarus mm. is the place where, according to Plato in the Gorgias, souls were judged after death and where the wicked received divine punishment. It's kind of like hell's hell. That's what Tartarus is. Yeah. Both Xena and Hercules go there a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess so. a lot. Well, it's an important place in Greek myth. Absolutely. Uh, Abaddon is Hebrew and its Greek equivalent is Apollyon. They both appear in the Bible as both a place of destruction and as the name of an angel. Uh, in the Hebrew Bible, Abaddon is used with reference to a bottomless pit, often appearing alongside the place Sheol, meaning the realm of the dead. And Sheol, mentioned before, in the Hebrew Bible is a place of darkness to which all the dead go, both the righteous and the unrighteous, regardless of the moral choices made in life, a place of stillness and darkness cut off from life and from the Hebrew God. So this list of places is mm -hmm. seems to be very um, Hebrew and like Mediterranean based. Judeo-Christian, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that he doesn't give any other examples of hell spaces. Um, mm -hmm. I wonder if we'll ever see any of Like, like, are there other hells then? Or it's weird. It's like, it's funny. It's like it all sort of boils down to this kind of Judeo-Christian baseline. And then mm -hmm. other things seem to be kind of fit into it from other storylines. Right. Well... I think because he's telling the story from the point of view of a Judeo-Christian culture, right? That's the culture that Neil was raised in, okay, right? Okay, yeah. And, and Christianity and hell is the dominant part of that culture, right? Like, mm -hmm. when we talk about, this is kind of the opposite of cultural appropriation. This is talking about our culture. Except right? there are other then, times in these stories he brings from other cultures and kind of fits them into this. Right. Absolutely. And what Neil then does is kind of say that these are like different little countries, right? That okay. that when, remember, and, and remember we've got what death does. Where do you go after you die with death? Well, how do you know? How, how, who decides? Mm. In this comic, when we've talked to death, what does death say about where you go after you die? She's very, very vague about it. She says, you get to decide. Yeah. Like, you figure out where you're going. It's what you think's going to happen, and that's and I just take you there. So people send so, themselves to hell. That's <laughs> that's basically what we get in here, isn't it? That Yeah, that's horrible. <laughs> that's horrible. Yeah, well, let's continue, because we get some of that. It's great. Mm. The next bit is um definitely graphic in the torturing. Mm -hmm. um, amongst the actual 
uh, storyline, what I'm getting here is this dude gets skewered, yeah. like, hardcore. And at first I thought it was just two spears, but it turns out it's like a little cheese fork. He gets cheese forked. Yeah. And then this big lumpy monster with um, booby mouths. Yeah. Uh, goes and rips his arm off with one of the booby mouths. Mm-hmm. I assume that that mouth is a booby mouth and not the mouth mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I if I have one complaint about this front this first page here, it's mm-hmm. that when it eats his arm, mm-hmm. it kind of flips the side of the art there because yeah. on the one it's facing to the left, and then when it eats, it faces on the right. I think the first few times, and even when I kind of reread this, sometimes I don't pick up that this is part of a chain of events. Yeah. That it just seems like they're just little shots. Like there's a shot of somebody standing there. There's a shot of somebody else getting skewered. There's the shot of a giant demon walking around. And especially if you don't notice that they're holding the skewered one. Mm-hmm. And then the tearing of the tearing off of the arm, because it's flipped, I just initially thought, well, that's just somebody getting their arm eaten and ripped off. But really, this whole thing is one little sequence. Yeah, they should have flipped, like, if that last image was mirrored, it would have mm-hmm. made more sense. Yeah. For sure. I don't want a terrifying booby mouth monster to bite my arm off and, like, not just bite it off. It's not biting it off. It's tearing it so that the bones separate and all the, all these stringy bits. Ugh, it's not good. <laughs> my arm is not a chicken wing. No. I don't want that either. For you or me. Oh, good. We have a solid anti-demon arm-eating policy. Especially booby mouth demons. Yeah. <laughs> Feels like a betrayal. Yeah. And then over the next page, we get to see Lucian's library. Mm-hmm. And he's hanging out with Matthew, mm-hmm. which is great because Matthew's new, right? It's Dream seems to have had a raven, right? Mm. But Matthew's a new one, so he gets to he gets to go, what? What's up with this library of yours? Yeah, he gets to ask all these questions. Yeah, it's great. So the books that we've got in Lucian's library, which he mentions, you'll find none of these on Earth in this section, for example, are novels their authors never wrote or finished except in dreams. Mm. And we have Smith and Jeeves were favorite characters of Comedy of Manners author P.G. Wodehouse. Raymond Chandler is a well-known American detective fiction author, one of the creators of the hard-boiled detective archetype. Lord Dunsany helped create the fantasy genre in the early part of the century. There's actually a book by Erasmus Fry, the character that uh, that captured Calliope. Yeah, it was the old rapist man. <laughs> yes, yes, terrible. The Hand of Glory, mm-hmm. the book he never finished. Charles Dickens, of course, was the 19th century populist fiction writer, and The Mystery of Edwin Drood was an unfinished work of his. Mm -hmm. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, of course, is the creator of Sherlock Holmes in the late 19th and early 20th century, and basically invented the consulting detective archetype. Uh, The Salmon Annotations does note that Sherlock Holmes has actually appeared in the DC universe several times. Uh, Up to this point, Holmes has appeared in Crisis in Action Comics 283, Joker number six, Sherlock Holmes number one, and as well as Detective Comics 572 and Eclipso number seven and eight. Only Sherlock Holmes number one. I must assume there was never a number two. I'm guessing, yeah. This or else is a, he would have shown up in it. That's a note I pass on straight from the Salmon Annotations without having checked out. Okay. Uh, James Branch Cabell was another early fantasist. G.K. Chesterton, of course, we've mentioned before, the colorful author of the early 20th century. Fiddler's Green took his form. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yay. And Chesterton wrote a book entitled The Man Who Is Thursday. I've read it. It's good. I don't know if I understood the whole thing. I think I should 
I, I need a, a, a podcast that tells me what I wasn't getting. Mm. But it was good. I enjoyed it. And he left unfinished The Man Who Was October. J.R.R. Tolkien elevated the fairy tale or high fantasy to literature with his Hobbit and Lord of the Rings books. The Lost Road was an abandoned time travel story which would have linked his fictional world with our day and age, complementing C.S. Lewis's space trilogy. Yeah. <gasps> mm. And then the last one is another Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, sequel. Lewis Carroll. Yeah. Which is the pen name of Charles Dodgson. Uh, he wrote Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass, and Lucian is replacing Alice's Journey Behind the Moon, mm. which would have been a wonderful book to read. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's lots more in there, I'm sure. We just don't get to see it all. So Lucian lost the library and then got it back? He had to track down some books, I guess. Mm. I, uh, in the same way, I think, I'm guessing, based on what we've read so far, in the same way that Morpheus had to hunt down some of his lost dreams, mm -hmm. I think Lucian probably had to hunt down his lost books. So I think then at first read through, I was a little confused as to why they showed us this scene. Mm -hmm. It felt unnecessary, but now it actually kind of shows the stakes of if Morpheus goes and is lost yeah. again, it's showing you a little bit of what happens when, when something like this is lost. So the fact that, yeah, Lucian is getting this library back is showing us, yeah, that important things get fucked up when Morpheus disappears and that's mm -hmm. what's at stake here is Morpheus fucking yeah. shit up. And we get, speaking of stakes, we get straight from Lucian. I am the keeper of the library, Matthew. Without it, I am nothing. Were it to be destroyed again, it would destroy me as well. Mm. Yeah. Not Lucian. Yeah. I like Lucian. his style. Yeah. Yeah, Lucian's great. And then um, a hologram... Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Of Morpheus appears. Mm -hmm. Not the most flattering shot of him. No. For somebody who poses a lot. I Also, though, I think that's because he's a little worried and upset, right? It shows on his face. Mm -hmm. I think Dream's very, like, Dream is expressive, but he's not always expressive emotionally, mm. right? I think that his he looks kind of just less handsome when he's upset or worried. Mm. That's my feeling anyway. And we get a little bit of information, which I've kind of hinted at before. Mm. Uh, Matthew didn't know he could do that. Not that that's that difficult a trick to do. And Lucian notes, Matthew, our Lord is dream. This is his castle, his seat of power at the heart of the dreaming. In this place, he can do whatever he wishes. Mm -hmm. There seems to be in this, the setup very much when you're in your own realm, you are very powerful. Which also sets the stakes up for the fact that Dream is leaving his realm to go, yeah. you know, give a talking to, to go toss it up with, with uh, Lucy in his place. Well, his he's, home turf. I think he's hoping he'll go, hey, I'd like to get Nada back and, and Lucifer will be like, cool, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's all just going to go down with a little handshake and, uh, you know. He'll just hand it right over. Yeah. Here, Here you, you go, go, buddy. All yours. Ah, we'll see. Mm. I think the gangway amigos witch on a broom. Yeah, who is that? Pretty sure that's the fashion thing. Uh -huh. Remember we mentioned the fashion thing before? Mm -hmm. And now they see she seems to be wearing kind of a Zatanna costume. <sighs> or I yeah, I'm not sure exactly what's going on. I mean Zatanna wears heels and fishnets. Yeah, I maybe well, maybe Zatanna's wearing the heels and fishnets and fashion thing just grabbed the top part because they were in <laughs> such a rush. <laughs> 
I'm just imagining how uncomfortable a broomstick pantsless would be. <laughs> slivers. All I'm saying is slivers. That's ah, a dream broom. Okay. It might be furry and warm. <laughs> I don't know why mm. furry was necessary. Mm. It's like riding a little dog. Ew. <laughs> Gangway, amigos. Yip, 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 yip. And Morpheus talks to his dreams. He has the most metal throne. Yeah, like candles. I'm skulls. sorry, Game of Thrones with your throne made of swords that are all melted together. That looks like garbage compared to this candle skull thing yeah, that Dream's good. got going on. Yeah, and we get our credits written by Neil Gaiman, drawn by Kelly Jones. Oh. Inked by Malcolm Jones III, colored by Steve Olaf, lettered by Todd Klein, associate editor Tom Payer, and editor Karen Berger. It seems I'm going to have to leave this place. I may be away for quite a while. I might not be coming back. And then Morpheus explains to them, he basically recaps what happened in Sandman number nine. Mm -hmm. With Tails in the Sand, falling in love with Nada and her saying no, and him condemning her to hell. And he follows it up with, it has been pointed out to me that I may have acted hastily, mistakenly, wrongly, that what I did was not honorable. So I intend to go to Hades and set her free. I feel like he's really downplaying how much of an asshole yeah. he was. Right. Like, he's not arguing it, but every time he brings it up, it's like, I may have acted hastily. May? You may. Yeah. 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 We're on to you. Dream. <laughs> Matthew says, so you go, go to hell and get, bring her back. Big deal. Hmm. And then we get a recap of the Sandman number four. Yeah, wherein he had that deal with a demon. We, they played the story game. Yeah, mm -hmm. with Karanzon. Mm. I see that name and I think chorizo. Yeah, chorizo. <laughs> Sausage man. <laughs> mm. And he embarrassed Lucifer in front of all of his demons. Mm -hmm. Remember that? In hell. Yeah, well, didn't he say that was the thing about I could take away your dreams for what is hell without dreams mm -hmm. of something better? Yeah, what would hell be without the dream of heaven? Lucifer's mad, though. That's what we get from this. Yeah, Lucifer's mad. And we get, again, we're getting like all sorts of juicy, endless information here, right? Mm -hmm. We get the information at the heart of the dream, he can do anything. But we also now get, if I am destroyed, another aspect of dream will fill my shoes. I trust you all will make my reassumption of the role an easy one. So I guess because that that's part of what endless means mm. is that technically they can die, but a new one just kind of shows up. Yeah. Okay. I guess. Yeah. Is this new one going to be less douchey? <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> he also notes he might be imprisoned in hell and uh, that would be like what happened, of course, in Sandman number one. Mm -hmm. And he stresses to them, don't let that happen. Yeah, that would be bad news bears. Yeah. I've made certain plans to cover this, which I will discuss with some of you individually before I leave. However, let me make one thing quite clear. I do not wish to see this world fall into ruins. I do not want to see a repeat of what occurred last time I was gone. Yeah. So... My mom and dad are gone. Don't throw a party and wreck the house. Remember last time I left and you guys kidnapped a kid and set up a new dream world in his brain? Yeah. Don't do that again. Dang it. Yeah. And 
then we get to see just how unraveled he is by his cloak at the end. I love it that his cloak is just like, mm-hmm. it's like this little living entity showing off how disturbed he is. Mm-hmm. Morpheus sent everybody else away, it seems, but Matthew stuck around. Mm-hmm. And Morpheus he dreams a little surprised by that. I thought I sent you back to Eve's cave. And the Sandman Annotations does note that Neil has said that, yes, Dream's Ravens live in the cave with Eve. So in the previous Eve comics, when she was a host of horror comics, she had a raven with her. Okay. So they're kind of saying that's Dream's Raven, but it hangs out with her. Mm. Okay. Matthew's like, I didn't go. I wanted to stick around. Do you mind? Yeah. He gets sent away and he goes, yeah, I'm going to stick around. I'm just going to disobey you because I want to stick around and find out who this Lucifer chap is. Yeah. Gosh, who is that guy? Mm. <laughs> like, I knew there was a hell. See, I did this deal once, but it all turned to shit. Yeah, we mentioned that. That was his uh, deal with uh, Anton Arcane, mm-hmm. which uh, totally went horribly. <laughs> and Neil is saying in here that Satan was Samael which in Hebrew means venom of God, poison of God, or blindness of God. Okay. We're not entirely, it's got multiple different uh, translations there. That was an important archangel in the Talmudic and post-Talmudic lore. Mm. Uh, It's a figure who is an accuser, Satan, that's Mm -hmm. an accuser, seducer and destroyer, and has been regarded as both good and evil. So it's a really good choice of an angel to pick. I don't know if it's ever exactly said that that's who Lucifer was. Mm. Of all uh, the angels, he was the wisest, the most beautiful, the most powerful. Saving only his creator, he is perhaps the most powerful being there is. More powerful than you? Oh, yes, by far. Mm. <laughs> well, at least you've got the element of surprise on your side. <laughs> <laughs> that would not be honorable. <laughs> yeah. So he sent one. Mm-hmm. Smart boss. Real so smart. He sent a messenger to hell. Mm-hmm. Smash cut to hell. The Salmon Annotations notes that there is an angel named Alson who is one of the guards stationed at the gates of the West Wind. And Alakino might be Neil saying this is that same angel after the fall. Because mm. some of the demons are angels that fell with yeah. Lucifer and some of them are just other things. Okay. I guess. Now Toby. is um, Alakino the angel, the big one with the uh, with the chain body harness? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's responding to the one. He claims to be a herald, an envoy from the realm of the Dream King. Mm. And who is the straight out of the Walking Dead character? We don't have her name yet. Okay. We'll call her Half-Face. Half-Face. Yeah. And I have translations for her. <laughs> In this panel, she says... To Cain, after he says, ah, Prince Lucifer, she says, shut up, scum. Speak when you are spoken to. Get down in your knees. Mm. When I first read through this, I just assumed she was speaking some demon language and I wasn't supposed to know what she was saying. Oh, okay, yeah. And then it was the second read through. I was like, oh, is she actually saying stuff I should be able to figure out? Yeah. And it's poor Cain who's been sent as a messenger to hell. Poor Cain, the first murderer, kills his brother over and over again. Poor Cain. Okay, I have more sympathy for Abel, for sure. (laughs) But they're like a duo, so, you know, his beard is extra long in this, too. As we learn, Cain has, like, this amazing privilege because Mm -hmm. of his mark. Mm -hmm. Well, let's get to the message. I love Mm -hmm. it. 
From the Lord of the Dream World, Prince of Stories, Monarch of the Sleeping Marches, his darkness, Dream of the Endless, to his Infernal Majesty, Lucifer called Morningstar. Greetings. Our right trusty and well-beloved cousin. No, not the message, just the content. He is coming here. He hopes you will allow him access to your realm. But whether you will or no, he is coming. There. Uh. <laughs> Shall we take him out and destroy him now, sire? And Half-Face says... Eat his face. Mm. <laughs> you know, she should only eat half of it and keep the other half and just stick it on with some tape. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. She mm. should eat the other side. He, she looked kind of weird, though. Mm. Uh, I think I can Photoshop that. I'll check it out. Okay. Lucifer points out you cannot hurt him, and even Lucifer cannot give you their permission. Cain is under the protection of one far greater than the Lord of Dreams, and... He quotes from the King James translation of the Bible, Genesis chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden, where you still live, eh? Hmm. The land of Nod being where you nod off. Yeah. Land of dreams. So Neil's, again, tied all... We mentioned this before, but Neil's tied that together. I love it. Uh, Neil, I think, has extended this to not just slaying, but also just harming. Mm-hmm. So that... Uh, and I've, I've seen this in other things, that if you were to basically punch Kane, you would then feel like you got punched seven times, or you would end up getting punched seven times. Okay. Because of the... Because of the, the curse so the mark of cain specifically is so people are supposed to see that and be like i am not gonna mess with this dude because his punishment is that he has Mm. to live he has to live and also not i think not be helped by anybody like Mm -hmm. you couldn't you couldn't help him either but you couldn't kill him um what it meant now is that the same mark is that related at all to like stories of the antichrist antichrist where there's just to get a mark on... Oh, that's the mark of the beast. That's the mark that's of different. the beast, yeah. yeah. And this is the mark of the Lord, I mm. think. Okay. It, it, you know, we're talking about stories. And, yeah. And uh, a lot of these come from a lot of different writings, and mm-hmm. they're trying to collect them together. So uh, it's more kind of where the general idea is and what you can do with them when you're telling stories like this. Totally. I'm, I'm not a biblical scholar, so what? I can't uh, tell you what the quote, truth is. that's fair and lucifer respects this choice yeah you're under his protection dream was sensible to send you as his messenger any other envoy would have returned with his liver in his mouth but he knew that loses bonds and leave us and half face says but my lord lucifer do you wish to make us repeat ourselves? So Lucifer also speaks in plural. The royal we. Yes. Yes. Cain, you must know, of course, of the Cainites. Can't say that I do. Gnostic sect, second century. This is all accurate, by the way. Mm. They rejected the books of the New Testament in favor of the gospel of Judas. Also true, what they were from the research I've looked up in the second century were people who said, who read, I think, the Bible or, or heard about Christianity, and they said... Wow, this God of the Jews is really cruel and nasty. Therefore, the people he hates must be pretty cool. So we like Cain. That is specifically the take I would probably take from that, <laughs> I know, too. Right? 
because it was like, look how nasty and mean to everybody they are. So this guy must be good. Mm-hmm. And this then, Jehovah guy is a real asshole. And, and I think then they argued that, well, he was actually the stronger of the brothers and because he had the meat and stuff. I, I don't couldn't find too much on the details of them, but they definitely did exist in the second century. Then he goes on to say, they believed that we, meaning Lucifer, created the heaven and the earth and that you were the persecuted party in that unfortunate affair with your brother. They also held that the way to salvation was to give into lust and temptation in all things. I don't, I couldn't confirm that. Mm. This could be Neil just deciding the way it worked. Mm. And no greater percentage of them turned up here than of any other religion. Amusing, isn't it? I wouldn't know. <laughs> hmm. I love this little last bit. Well, 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 he's coming back. Isn't that wonderful? He looks so smug. I know. He's so... Something different is happening in hell after billion years? I don't know. Well, it's been two years since... Since Dream was here last. I thought it was two years since he got out of... Yeah, it's two years. About, yeah, 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 two years. Mm-hmm. wonder if that seems longer or shorter in hell time. Uh, I think time in hell probably feels really long. Mm. Next jump goes to what I am going to say is an ugly baby. <laughs> There's some kind of like uh, evil Lex Luthor look going on in that kid right there. It's true. Yeah. Also looks like he's wearing a little wig cap. <laughs> that's the sh- that's the shadow. I know. It, I understand it, that, but it also looks like a wig cap. Yeah. It's like an a un- hairnet. It is an unfortunate choice of a place to put a shadow. I'm guessing it's drawn from a photographic reference, mm. <laughs> which in well, which I'm, case, I'm sorry, kid. That sorry, kid is now, if that was a kid drawn in, this would be 89, they would be now 27. My age. They will be me. This is me as a baby. That's you as a baby. No, I'll let you know I was a much cuter baby than this baby. This baby is ugly. It's not that baby's fault. (laughs) Ugly babies can't help it. Yep. Well. So we get to meet Hippolyta Hall again. Mm -hmm. And who's her friend? This is her friend Carla. This is uh, Carla's first appearance. We last saw Hippolyta back in Sandman number 12 after... Morpheus had basically pulled her out of Jed's head, Mm -hmm. killed her husband, and said, oh, yeah, that baby that grew up in your belly uh, inside the dreaming, that's mine. Yep. Dibs. He basically (laughs) poked the baby and said dibs. And a reminder, she is the Fury. Yeah. The Sandman Annotations reminded me this, that uh, Daniel is not just linked to Dream by being gestated in the dreaming, Mm -hmm. which Dream shows up here to remind her of. But also to the triple goddess, to the fates, because the fury that she inherited her powers from was one of the furies, one of the fates, mm-hmm. which is all the triple goddess stuff tied together. Yeah. So this kid is both dreaming and fate related mm-hmm. and is very special. Special baby. Mm-hmm. Well, Carla feels very similar to me about this baby in that it looks just boiled. Bald and just boiled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Dream shows up. And we find out why she's named the Fury. She is mad. Yeah. I'd get mad too if some weird trench coaty dude who killed my husband just walked up to my baby and said dibs. Yeah. Yeah. I have come to see your son. That is all. You killed his father. If you think I'm going to let you touch him. And then he does it. And then he touches him. He just... <laughs> what are you going to stop me, mortal? Like... Ugh. And the baby doesn't like it. Look at that face. It's not a happy baby getting poked in the face. (laughs) 
And then she looks real mad. I don't know mm-hmm. who you really are, but it's your fault that he doesn't have a father or a name. He's my son. He has nothing to do with you. By the by, his name is Daniel. So she doesn't even get to name him. He walks in, pokes the baby's face, says dibs, and then names him. And she doesn't even get the chance. Dick move. I have a feeling more that Dream knew what his name was mm-hmm. rather than a saying, name him Daniel. He doesn't say name him Daniel. Sure. It's like his name is Stormageddon. Uh, yes. He, Dream speaks baby. Okay. And he knows that his name is Daniel. While I accept that, I feel that if his name was Daniel, Hippolyta would have eventually figured it out on her own. Yeah, Dream's helping. We had mentioned earlier, like, what are you going to name him? I've still got a while. I'll think of one. He's not making her. He says, by the by, the by his name is Daniel. And look at, she goes from angry to looking down. Daniel? I'm just picturing a fourth panel wherein she's like, fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, too bad that uh, Dream is ridiculously powerful and probably makes you think that you just dreamed that you saw him. What a dick. That's gaslighting. She'll, yes. It's gaslighting. Well, he literally defines what is dreaming in reality, so. Yeah. What an asshole. It's not gaslighting. (laughs) When you see him, that's actually how you see him is by dreaming him. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Everybody who sees him eventually wakes up and goes, what the hell? Mm. Speaking of which, one more person to see then. One final goodbye to be said, and then to hell, to nada, to Lucifer. And he does this cool little trip where he jumps through a bunch of people's heads until he eventually finds himself in the dream of an old woman who's dreaming about when she was a little girl mm-hmm. and her father uh, had like took her through their wine cellar. And he says, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, ma chérie. Yeah. And the man behind the curtain that's from Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then while... They're talking while- about seeing Morpheus grabbing wine. Yeah. Like, pay yeah. no attention to Morpheus. He yeah. steals a bottle of wine, and his cloak does that neat ripply thing again yeah. that it did earlier. Mm-hmm. And then we see Hob Gadling sleeping. And he doesn't have a beard. No, in, but in, in his the dream bed. he does. But in his dream he does. Looks like old Hob Gadling. And he's dreaming about, and he's dreaming about Queen Bess, Queen Elizabeth the first. Mm-hmm. And she's quoting from an Elizabethan-era stage play called... The Honorable History of Friar Bacon and Friar Bongay. Mm-hmm. Uh, in it, specifically this bit that we're talking that she's quoting, Roger Bacon, who was a 13th century philosopher and Franciscan friar, who is now recognized as like one of the early true empirical science lovers, mm-hmm. right? People who were like, no, you have to test and make sure you're not wrong and all mm-hmm. that kind of great stuff. But by the time this play had been written, he had kind of turned into like magic Tesla man. In it, this character, based on Roger Bacon, has built a mechanical head but can't get it to speak. He Mm. goes to sleep and instructs his apprentice to wake him up if the head does talk. After a little while, it speaks and says, time is. But the apprentice was too afraid of his master to dare to wake him up. A second time, the head spoke, saying, time was. And again, the apprentice feared to disturb his master's slumber. Finally, the head said, Time is past, then exploded, and with this the apprentice woke his master, but the head could not be repaired and never spoke again. 
And so time is, time was, time's past is what she's quoting, which is what the head said. Hmm. There's a whole lot of explanation for something that's not important. I'm just saying Neil loves to make these wild allusions to stuff. And that's just a weird thing that he would be having a dream about Mm -hmm. whilst troubleshooting a computer Mm -hmm. for Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. Oh, I have a note about the wine cellar from the previous page. Oh. The name uh, Cecily Latour is probably referring to the Chateau Latour wine estate in France. And that's widely considered one of the best winemakers in the world, uh, certainly one of the more expensive. However, the name Latour doesn't come from a family named Latour. It actually comes from the nearby tower built in 1331 named Tour à Saint-Labert. And that tower doesn't even exist. It was uh, destroyed in an attack. But in the 1620s, a circular tower was built, which they called Tour de Saint-Labert. And that's not actually a, like, uh, fort tower to protect the place. It's actually a pigeon roost. Mm. But it's kind of become this iconic little spot. So Chateau Latour is House of the Tower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Not, of a, not of a family named Latour. Hmm. So Dream kind of sneaks up on Hob a little bit. Hob's a little thrown off. Mm-hmm. Good Lord, it's you. You're a bit early, aren't you? I thought you weren't due for another 99 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bloody hell, I'm dreaming, aren't I? (laughs) Yes, you're dreaming, Hob. And yes, I am early. I have brought you a gift. Chateau Lafitte is Lafitte Rothschilds, and that's a large winery in the Medoc region of southern France. Each year it produces only about 800 barrels of what is described as, quote, fabulously expensive wine Mm. by the World Atlas of Wine. I'm not quite sure what 1828 has to do with anything, except that it's, you know, a hundred and... 60 something years old but i don't know if that has anything to do with uh with this i think it's just a nice old age for Mm -hmm. an old wine sounded like a good year 1828 Mm -hmm. rolls off the tongue what's the occasion is it your birthday you must be born to have a birthday sorry no it is not my birthday Basically, he's checking in with his boyfriend because he doesn't want to go away without saying bye-bye. He's admitted that they're friends. And now he might die or be imprisoned again. And he's like, well, in case I don't make it, this is why, Mm -hmm. buddy. Yeah. Hob decides they should make a toast. Mm -hmm. Hang on a second. If we're going to make a toast, let me think of a good one. Got it. Listen to this. To absent friends, lost loves, old gods, and the season of mists. And may each and every one of us always give the devil his due. That's original. It's not a quote from anywhere else. And Hob is a little weirded out by where that came from. It's a bloody peculiar toast. <laughs> well, you say strange things in dreams. Mm-hmm. So we know who the lost love is. That's Absent not a... friends. Absent friends. Well, in the dream may become absent from Hob. Mm-hmm. That could be. Um, old gods. That is yet to be discovered, I yeah. guess. Um, season of mists. This autumn. Is autumn. We're pretty sure, yeah. And may each and every one of us always give the devil his due. So. What is the devil's due? Mm, maybe well, when you make a deal with him, you got to give him his due. Or the devil is mad. Right? Yeah. You got to give him your soul. Oh, is it your soul? Well, that's what you usually bargain with, right? And the <laughs> devil went down to Georgia. You meet him at the crossroads and you learn to play the guitar really, really well. You owe him your soul. 
And then you get to duel him to see if you get to keep your soul at the end. Yeah. And your wicked guitar skills. Wow, maybe maybe we'll get to maybe he'll ask for Dream Soul next issue. Maybe he'll maybe they'll fight over it. Does Dream have a soul? Is Dream a soul? I don't know. It's a good question. These questions and more. <laughs> next issue. After that toast, Dream thanks him. Hob wakes up. And the bottle is beside him. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure, silly dream. pretty sure that bottle wasn't there before. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why he's side-eyeing it. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile in hell. Meanwhile. Kane is getting a bird's eye view of hell. Well, he's kind of looking up and screaming with his eyes clenched, so I don't know how much of a view he's getting. You're right. Usually birds aren't getting yanked around by their <laughs> yeah. hair. Lucifer goes through a few things here. Why recently one of the minor demons, some little yellow rhymer, thought to declare himself a king of hell to usurp the triumvirate. It comes to nothing. These things never do. But hmm. perhaps it made him happy briefly. So that is Etrigan, the mm-hmm. little yellow rhymer. We met him back when uh, Dream was being led through hell the first time. In the demon number one and number two, which was going on just before this happened, that was the storyline. That Etrigan basically declared himself king of hell. And got rid of the triumvirate that had been there. Mm-hmm. It had changed a bit. The Trinity originally consisted of Lucifer, Azazel, and Beelzebub. Mm-hmm. Azazel was replaced by Belial. And then Etrigan's coalition deposed all three of them. And Lucifer's basically going, meh, just kind of let it happen. Lucifer, you are deposed. You are no longer king of hell. As if merely saying something were enough to make it true. They believe themselves Lucifer's equals, Cain, all these pitiful little gnats. But there is only one that we have ever owned to be our superior. There is but one greater than us, and to him, to him we no longer speak. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. you. Yeah, I don't think with his mark that Cain is used to being afraid. Yeah. Still better to reign in hell than serve in heaven, a little brother killer. That's a quote from Milton's Paradise Lost. Mm. Whatever you say, Lord Lucifer. (laughs) We didn't say it. Milton said it. And he was blind. Yeah, Milton was blind for most of his writing career and had to dictate his works to a secretary. Hmm. So he sends him home. And then flies away laughing. (laughs) And then makes the battle call. To the demons. Mm. One of them looks like an anglerfish with skeleton T-Rex arms. Eating the bottom half of a person. Mm-hmm. Hola, you, all of you demons and damned nobles and slaves. It is Lucifer who speaks, the first among the fallen. Hear our words. <laughs> Joe says that every morning when he wakes up. Hear our words. <laughs> And we get to see Nada still in her spiky cell. Single tear. Yeah. Some say that one day in hell is much like all the rest. That in this place of flux eternal, nothing changes. But this day in hell, this day you shall all remember forever. And so shall he. <laughs> Eek. Yep. That's definitely a locker room rallying talk yeah there. yeah and kane comes back and kane is very upset yeah and morpheus is nice to him mm-hmm. rest my servant you have done well 
And you can't see until several panels later, but he does fall asleep when after rest, mm-hmm. when he puts his hand on him. Yeah. You can't see it until the last panel, he's but he's asleep on the floor. Yeah. And there goes Dream with his cloak and his helm. Mm-hmm. So, how are you enjoying the season of mist so far? It's cool. I yeah. like this like cool portal to hell. I love this final shot. It's great. Like it would make a good poster for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think is going to happen? He's heading to hell now. We've had the the setup. He's going to arrive. What happens? Lucifer versus Morpheus, round one. Yeah, my instinct is to think that they're going to fight, but I think it's going to be mm-hmm. more like the last time he was in hell where there will be some kind of... It'll be more of a mind game, some act of trickery and magic as opposed to just brute force. Mm. That just kind of is how Lucifer works. Yeah, it's also how Dream works. Dream doesn't just, you know, Mm -hmm. punch people. That's not really what he does. So any ideas on what that would be then? I know that, you know, with the wide open cosmos and supreme cosmic power, they could do just about anything. How do you think it's going to go down? Well, it's difficult because... Last time they already kind of had a story off. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's not going to be a story off. I will tell you they're they're not going to just do some little game. Yeah, no, I think that Dream is going to have to trade something to get Nada. Mm. I think Dream is going to have to trade someone Ooh. or something to get Nada. That's going to be it. The, you have to give the devil his due, and the devil mm. feels do, like owed something. Right. You know, what and so he'll have is? to balance the scales. I don't know. I. What does the devil want? Certainly wants vengeance against Mm -hmm. Morpheus for embarrassing him. So he wants to embarrass Morpheus. At the end of the Sandman number four, Mm -hmm. one day, my brothers, one day I shall destroy him. Yeah, but destroy could mean a lot of things. Right. And I think in this instance, he's going to ask Dream to give up something else. And maybe it's Daniel. Or maybe Ooh. it's maybe Ooh, the soul yeah. of a fury dream gestated baby. Yeah, maybe maybe that's why they showed us Daniel in this Ooh. in this particular issue, Ooh. just so we'd know who he was. Ugly and dark. I love it. Yeah. Well, we're gonna have to find out next episode. Mm-hmm. You've been dreaming of the Sandman, issue twenty-two, season of mists, chapter one. For show notes, visit thedreaming.motivedust.com. Support future episodes at patreon.com slash thedreaming. Like us on Facebook. Rate and review us on your favorite podcast app, including Google Play Music and iTunes. Our theme music is Oneri by Kai Engel. Hear more at kaiengel.bandcamp.com. The Dreaming was recorded in Burnaby, British Columbia, Canada, on the unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, Kikate, and tsleil Nations. I'm Joe Fulgham. Thanks for listening. Time to wake up.